the Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester City won their first Champions League trophy in their club's history this weekend and completed a first treble in English football since Manchester United's treble winning side of 1999 was the first to accomplish the feat 24 years ago. It wasn't a great final, but it was a historic result that gives us plenty to chat about, along with tons of transfer news, including a little movement from uh, a guy maybe you might, might have heard of, Lionel Messi. Uh, that news him going to Inter Miami popped uh, the day after we recorded our last pod. Be sure we'll get to it on this one. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 411. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Javier, how are you doing? We, uh, you know, hung out for that Champions League I told you, Alex. I told you, I told you that uh, Manchester City were by far the best team in Europe, that they are the gods. It's no shame losing the title to them, Alex. They won the treble. They dominated all of Europe. You know, it's okay. We're the second best team in the world, Alex. We were the second best <laughs> team in the Premier League. So Arsenal, I'm doing well, Alex. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, just uh, got news that I uh, I got a new job. So uh, happy about hey. that. Yeah, and uh, snaps for Javier. Know, I'll have uh, yeah, I'll have more of a Moving regular schedule. We might be we might be be able to do pods at like five or six. You know, instead of at uh, 10 oh or 11 God. p.m. We can, do, yeah. we can do pods when the sun is out. <laughs> right. We can do pods. Yeah, I won't be working till till uh, 10 or 11 p.m. anymore. So just uh, good news on the scheduling front, you know, because well, I'll have more normal days and uh, weekends off and things like that. We'll be able to uh, to, to have more of the crake, Alex. So uh, happy it's about crack. that. It's just crack, Javier. The crake. Like, like Craig crake. Ferguson. Oh, like, like the crake. Daniel Craig. The, no, oh, it's the crack. crack. Well, don't worry, Javier. We'll get you caught up on the uh, the Irish the crack. The Irish terms. All right, the crack. The crack. The crack. Like you know, the drug that you know uh, ran through American. Uh, you know, you know what else is the crack, the Alex? 80s. We've pretty much locked up Declan Rice. Yeah, well, let's wait on that one for it to be official. Yeah, yeah it's not like, official you know, like yet. We do for but most like, transfers. If we're so big dick that we've had Declan in our pocket for the last two months, there like, goes that job a, offer. This is a whole. <laughs> 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 Come on, Javier. You're in the white collar world now. You can't be walking around saying things like this, unseemly things like if we're so big dick. <laughs> I mean, if we are, Alex, if we've had him in our pocket for the last couple of months, Dude. if we're bidding 60 million for Kai Havertz, if we're bidding 80 million Javier, for Caicedo this summer. Can you save this for the transfer news section? Just, like you, I will. You're so I will, excited Alex, that you have, you're, you're just going to uh, steamroll a whole treble conversation. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck Man Just City. No, to go yeah. straight to the All right. Arsenal All right. We got to give Man City rumors. their props, Alex. Let's do it. Let's do it. We absolutely do. Manchester City, like I mentioned in that intro, they defeated Inter, Inter Milan 1-0 in the Champions League final. Uh, it wasn't Erling Haaland that scored the winner of all players. It was uh, Rodri, the uh, defensive midfielder, who stepped up and slotted home a, uh, a ball that bounced from the byline to the top of the box in the 68th minute. Uh, City controlled the game in large part, so there were some very good opportunities for Inter to uh, equalize after City had scored that opener. Uh, you know, one chance that fell to De- uh, DeMarco, their left wing back, and he headed it off the post and then off of Lukaku. Oh, that was a crazy Lukaku sequence himself, of play. Oh, Lukaku my God. had a, a point blank header that he put straight at Ederson rather than scoring in the, right before the 90th minute. Uh, Inter had their opportunities. And then sure the, they last, hoped for, the last, the last second they of the game, that off. header off the corner that like uh, that Ederson had to save. Yeah, I think that was Demarco as well. The the 
glancing header, the Ederson, we saw the, the, the reverse angle of it from behind the goal, right? Uh, like a couple hours after the game ended when, you know, we were wa- hanging out watching UFC. I pulled that up and it turned out to be a much better save from Ederson than it looked from the original gameplay angle. Inter had had three or four good chances to equalize the game um, in the last 15 minutes. And I got to give them props because I didn't think that... I didn't know how good Bastoni was. I mean, he was such a monster. Um, I don't know why he ended up getting taken off in the end. Um, but uh, it, there was, you know, Inter's back line was, was monumental. Um, I thought Onana was great in goal. And, you know, the goal was... It didn't feel like it was always coming, you know. While the longer that it stayed nil nil, it, it did kind of feel like Inter might have a chance in this. And while it stayed one nil the whole time, if there had been an equalizer at some point, it could have been anyone's game at that point, you know, because it, it's not like City were dominating play and keeping the ball really well. You know, they they were nervous from start to finish. This was a Champions League final, the first one that they'd, you know, that they win, and uh, historic trouble. Um, I know people have been joking, saying, you know, this is a a team that's cheated or that has all these allegations i don't know how oh, much yeah, that has to can, do with with, the, with what's the going on in the pitch yeah once the final decision comes in then i think you can reasonably you know start throwing those in manchester city fans faces but for now they've for now i think something it's, that yeah, i don't think an any of us thought that we would see for the rest of our Not this season well no i mean i'm saying my whole life there have been a few records in all of sports and a few achievements in all of sports that I just kind of assumed were never, ever going to be broken. You know, things like Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game in the NBA, uh, the, the Bulls' 71 or 72-win season in the 90s to set the record for most wins in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors eventually broke that record. That, that That's another example of a record that I never thought I'd see broken. Um, but has been. And obviously the City team didn't break that that record that Manchester United accomplished back in the 90s. They, they equaled it. But it, it only happened in English football specifically once, and it was that Manchester United team. So even just to equal it, I, th- I thought was going to be just just a bridge too far for any team, even one with the, the resources and uh, you know talent that Manchester City have. Like who would have thought that the team that they stopped did it them from ease, winning the quadruple Alex. was Southampton, who got relegated this season? Southampton knocked them out of the they Carabao it, Cup. They did it easily, though. That's what I wouldn't say easily thing. because I mean the FA Cup was easy. The Champions League they had to go through uh, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, the, the holders. You don't of think the, the league was easy for them? Uh, the league, I don't think, was easy in the end. I you guys had you guys had an eight we, to ten point lead for most of the season, and we handed it back to them on. We handed it back to them on a platter. We handed it back to them on a platter. But you know, they still had to go on like a fourteen game like unbeaten run, which you know they've done for a couple of seasons and beat now us twice. Row, but, but I, but I still think it was, you know, they made so many mistakes earlier in the season that they shouldn't have won the league. But we handed it back to them, and to be like that's what makes this scary to me is that this city team has levels to go. They could get better, a lot better. There's places in the lineup where you can see that there can be improvements. There's players who are going to move on who have been big parts, but I think they can bring in players. You know, like there's players that the limited amount of. I mean, and and sorry to bring Arsenal back into this, but I'm starting to look at Arsenal the same way. No, you're not. You're not sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not because of what I'm about to say. But, um, 
you know, there's there's limited room in a squad now. And I didn't ever think about this before, but when you have 23 players and you need them to all be like top level, you can't really be having players like Rob Holding or uh, for Manchester City, Calvin Phillips is a, is a, I think a good example. You know, uh, or even um, maybe I know Gundogan was amazing this season and uh, you know has been for the last few years, but they have so much talent and their level so high that I feel like they could even afford to let go of someone like Elstai Gundogan, let him go to somewhere like Barcelona or Bayern or whatever, and you know bring in some young god to uh, maybe initially dip in in form for the team, but I think their team's so good that they can still win the title with one or two players that are young that can possibly cost them a few points during the season, um, but they're still going to win so many games throughout the season with the rest of the talent that they have, or even in those games. Um, that's yeah, the luxury I mean, that saw, that's the luxury that final. you can have when you have so many so much quality in your in your in your squad that you have basically two full squads. You can afford to have two or three fringe players that you develop at the same time and. And this is something that Manchester City has, and that's where I want Arsenal to get. I think that's where everyone wants to get now, and that's the level that Manchester City just set. Liverpool's kind of been at that level for the last... Liverpool have tried to stay at that level, but what happened when Sadio Mane left kind of feels like it's collapsed a little bit, you know? They have had to bring in a bunch of players to try to replace Mane. and injuries and things like that, but... Salah was still incredible example, this season, though. We saw an example of that, of what you were just talking about in this Champions League final, where for the you know the second Champions League final appearance in a row for Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne had to go off injured. And in this in this game, it was even earlier. He, he tweaked something in his uh, hamstring, I think, tried to play on with it, played a, a bad cross that went, ended up going out of bounds, and Pep just you know immediately had the ruthlessness to... You know, get him off the pitch and bring on Phil Foden, who you know has mainly played as a winger or as a false nine for Manchester City, but was easily able to slot into that that second attacking midfield spot that is usually taken up by De Bruyne and Gundogan. De Bruyne comes out, Foden slots right in, and you know De Bruyne's one of the best players in the world, but Foden has his own qualities. He's not exactly a like for like replacement, but. Uh, he arguably should have scored the second to, to seal seal it. They made that great turn after they were already up 1-0 and went in on goal and then just had a sort of tame shot that he put straight at uh, Onana. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't really lose anything when De Bruyne went off, which sounds insane like to say, but they really didn't. If anything, their high press uh, got even better. Uh, because like Foden is just that young, hungry, you know, uh, player who helps key their press higher up. The yeah, pitch. I would argue they got better when he came off, which is again insane. But just the level that they have right now. I mean, I think I think this city team, like I said, I think they can get better. They can reach higher levels. Well, yeah, I Holland think, hasn't scored think, in either of these finals. Right, either the FA Cup or Champions League. He, he was wasn't barely that good in the semifinal and, either. I mean, and this again, he's only going to grow. This is his first season in the team. I was thinking to myself, like, is he going to break his own goal scoring record at some point? And he probably is, right? Yes, absolutely he is. He did it in his first season as a 22-year-old. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely going to break his own record as they, you know, this team molds even more around him. Um, I, I do. Before we move on, I do just want to ask the question. In the Premier League era, 1992 and afterwards... Where does this Manchester City team rank for you in terms of just single season performance? Where where would you put them in the in the, the top five? Give your top five, and I'll I'll, I'll give mine. 
uh, for a team performance. All right, number one, 99, 99 treble. Okay. And then... For Manchester United. Wait, did United win? Yeah, that was the only other treble, right? That's the only other treble, yes. I'd probably pop English. number two, right? And then number three, Arsenal's Invincibles. That's probably <laughs> what I would do. Okay. Like that. Only uh, won a Premier then, League, but okay. Chelsea's uh, 0506 double. Uh, we didn't win the double in five oh six. See, you can't oh, even get your years right. Oh, six oh seven was the double, Alex. No, no, it wasn't. You're getting, you're oh, getting. Oh, you didn't colder. win doubles either of those years. Your team it was oh four oh five. Premier League. Oh four oh five. That was the team that you know conceded the fewest goals in Premier League history. Fifteen goals. That Chelsea team. Oh four oh five. Yes, Alex. That was yeah, we, that was probably Jose Mourinho's better first season. season. Yes, I mean, that one. That, that team. One. That team is also in my top five. But I'll let you know where once uh, you finish yours. So you have that Chelsea team fourth, and then who's number five? Maybe the Liverpool season uh, last year, the one where they won three trophies and uh, just came in second barely in the Premier League. So at number five of the greatest Premier League single seasons ever, you have a team that didn't win the league. Okay, All they right, should have won the league that year. That, that about that it's about bullshit. wraps like sums it up for uh, you, the listeners. You can uh, you know, that, or maybe you, maybe you just, the Liverpool season my, where they you just did. I have job. to give Liverpool something. Dan, okay, I have to, then give them or give Liverpool this, the one year the that one, they won the league. They won the Champions League and and or no, I guess the, but they won the league that year, but they didn't. I guess they went to the Champions League final that year. All right, yeah, yeah. That year, that year. No, they didn't go to the Champions League final that year. Dude, I guess I didn't give you time to prepare for this. So yeah, what the I, hell, Alex? A little you just unfair, threw this at me. Hey, who am I? Like, I thought you do a Premier League podcast. All right, what are, podcast, ass, what are your shitty-ass rankings? Go so ahead. I'll start, so I'll start at number five. Can... Uh, number five, I'll have the Invincibles. Uh, number four, I'll have uh, Chelsea's 04-05 Jose Mourinho season. Because uh, they they won the league and Carabao Cup. That's so ridiculous. Uh, You're putting something that three, no, nothing's ever been done. You're like ah, number five. Yeah, Javier. If uh, if that record never will be the, broken, the bitch. It'll never be broken. <laughs> it will never be broken because no one gives a shit about it enough to break it. Because if you got thirty eight draws, everybody you'd be, gives you'd a be shit about invincible it. Invincible, and even you Sir, even Sir relegated. Alex Ferguson so said that achievement stands alone. Yeah, alone is like you guys. Who alone, as in no one else it. has ever done it, and that's <laughs> Let why. Let me finish my rankings. Your, Arsenal's Invincibles are number five. Uh, actually, I shouldn't even have them on. I should have Arsenal's like ninety-eight double-winning team. That that goes in above the Invincibles. That's actually impressive feat. They were a better team. Burkamp was at his you know his peak uh, before Henri got there. But you know, you're still not a, very a good better team. team. You're stupid. Chelsea oh four oh five at number four. Uh, number three, I'll have Manchester City's Centurions, the team that uh, got a hundred points in two thousand eighteen. I think it was uh, when y- your boy Gabriel Jesus scored the the winner against Southampton in like the last minute of injury time to get City to a hundred points. Uh, then uh, number two, Manchester United's treble team, and number one, this Manchester City team. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, I think this is the single greatest season of a uh, a Premier League team that I've ever seen because that Manchester United team, it came down to the last day for them to win the league. Uh, so they had did to we choke them at home. the league, Alex, or you choked the league, but Manchester Wait, City but were also this is the great. greatest Premier League team ever, Alex. Yeah. And you had an eight to According 10 point to lead on them and then you choked it. So, so then are uh, we one of the greatest Premier League teams ever? Because we, kept, things are we competed exclusive. with them this season? No, because you didn't win jack shit. West Ham won more than you this season. So uh, you can, you can pipe down a little bit there. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and, and no, no Liverpool team makes my top five. So, Hey, Alex here. I'm sitting here. It's Thursday morning. 
I'm editing this podcast, and I realized that during this point of the pod, I uh, severely screwed up my top five rankings. Uh, can you tell it's morning from my uh, morning voice? I can't believe it, but as I'm uh, editing this, I realized that uh, I left out a certain double-winning team of uh, Manchester United for the 2007-2008 team. So uh, Javier isn't here to defend this or to argue it, but I'm actually booting that Arsenal Invincibles team from the top five in favor of putting in that Manchester United 2007-2008 team that won the league with Cristiano Ronaldo, with Wayne Rooney, with uh, Carlos Tevez, obviously a great defense as well, Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, Van der Sar, Patrice Evra, Excellent, excellent team. They're going into my top five, and just to show how you know how much uh, they really deserve to be in there, I'm actually pushing the Chelsea team of 2004-2005 that I previously had at number four. I'm putting them down to number five, and I think that Manchester United 2007-2008 team deserves to go in there at number four. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice little impromptu exercise. Anything else to, to mention about this Champions League final or this Manchester City team? I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll have other moments to, you know, bask in their glory and talk about how great they are. But I'm Manchester City fans, you can get off my back. I picked your team, this year's team, as the best uh, single season Premier League team ever. Better even than the uh, 99 treble team, which I did just want to finish saying the reason I have City over that United treble winning team is because that the league came down to the last day. Uh, for United back in 1999, uh, they did manage to win against Tottenham to you know beat uh, to, to win the title on the last day. Uh, they easily beat uh, Newcastle in the FA Cup final after that, and then they needed two goals in injury time to come back from one nil down and win the Champions League. It's definitely the more you know exciting, entertaining finish to a treble winning season. Uh, but I think the quality of Manchester City's team in general and just like how they ended up going through the gears as the season went on to eventually reach their their peak form at the right time at the uh the run into the season I, I think that takes the cake as you know the best premier league team ever so do you want to hit on some transfers javier we got uh plenty of them to talk about yeah i mean i already gave you my uh my arsenal you gave us a, a taste of it but we can get rumors. to that in a second we, we do have to we i think we need to open with the whole we have to open with the whole Lionel Messi to Inter Miami thing because yeah, that came out the day a, after we one. last recorded. You're, you're the Messi fanboy of the pod, Javier. What was your reaction to this news? Well, of course, I cheered it, Alex, because uh, number one, I'm going to go, go see Lionel Messi at some point when he's playing. Uh, we've got a, a nice DC United home stadium and uh, we're going to have to get those tickets. going to be unreal. Next season, yeah, we're gonna have to get them it's early. It's only like they're like it's only like a twenty thousand seater stadium. It's a great stadium. I love going there, but like when Messi comes to town, those seats are gonna be obscenely expensive. Well, like isn't that awesome? That everyone's gonna want to see him when he comes to town, and hopefully he improves Inter Miami a lot. But thank God he's going to a place where there's gonna be eyes because uh, I haven't heard of Cristiano Ronaldo in months. I don't know what he's doing or if the season's going. I don't know anything about him. I don't I think, care at I think all. Nobody cares to. about him at you all. You know, there's there's more uh, world-class players in the Saudi league than there are in MLS at the moment. No, it was the same when people went to China. I mean, there was all these world-class players that were in China. No one heard or cared about them the entire time they were in China. No one gives is going to give a shit or care at all about any of the players in Saudi Arabia either. Completely irrelevant. If you go there, you're just going there for the money to be a puppet for the Saudis. And I, 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 it doesn't I see matter what you at mean all. about the China thing, but I don't think the same level of player was going to China that is now going to uh, Saudi Arabia. We're talking about like Ronaldo, 
Karim Benzema, N'Golo Kante. That's just a start. There's going to I mean, be far have, more we don't of them this if, summer. I don't know if, like, is Benzema and Kante, I don't think those are official, but the only one who's there is Ronaldo. They're about to be. Until I see those other players there. Sure, but until they're official, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, Benzema, it. Benzema is official. He's held up the shirt and everything. He's he's official. Ah, okay, sure. But uh again, it's uh Benzema the, the best cashing player to out, making, China making was 100 Hulk. mil. No, there was Oscar, Who there else? was Okay, Hulk and Oscar are about the same level, but they're not like the best players in the world. You know, Karen Benzema was just, you know, Ballon d'Or winner basically last year. He should have been when he, uh, you know, walked the Champions League with Real Madrid. He's a player that's old, but still at the peak of his powers. I think the Saudi Arabia thing is going to be more significant than the China thing was because do you know what happened in China? The Chinese, they put an end to that because there were too many foreign players coming in and they were trying to grow the Chinese national team so they could eventually get to a well, World Cup. Are you going to go watch the Saudi League, Alex? I'm not saying I'm going to go watch the Saudi League. I'm just All saying, right. like, then, you can compare then them. Then it's irrelevant, and you're going to watch MLS for Lionel Messi. You're going to go to the stadium for Lionel Messi. Um, it's only going to bring more eyes onto football in the United States. It's going to have the same effect as David Beckham coming to the United States, um, maybe even more magnified because... You know, Latino fans of football, I don't know how excited they were when David Beckham came over here, but I know they're going to be incredibly, unbelievably excited to see Lionel Messi. You're right. Those tickets are going to be unreal. They're going to be so hard to get. We might have to go to like a Philadelphia Union game or like... Uh, well, their stadium's like twenty or 30,000 as well. They don't have a big stadium. The one we were talking about over the weekend that might be uh, feasible for us, you the know, Charlotte, DC, uh, DC-based folk is driving down to Charlotte because they play in yeah. the, the Carolina Panthers football stadium, which is like eighty or 90,000. So maybe that's the move, but we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we, uh, we come to it, but... You, but you see right. what we're willing to do to, to go see Messi, Alex. You see the yeah, plans I mean, if, that we've Ronaldo, already made. If Ronaldo, that's was exciting playing, as I would hell. Do the same thing. No, I mean I've already seen Ronaldo play live. It's not that exciting. When did you see Ronaldo? Uh, when he came over here with Real Madrid, uh, and he played AC Milan, like 2011 or 12. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that, you know that's you know, that's preseason. He's you yeah. know not. He's just trying to get into shape there. That's not uh, an actual competitive game like what Messi's going to do. So. Okay, Inter Milan are currently bottom of the MLS. I'm not going to pretend to be like an MLS expert, but like how big of a impact do you expect him to have right off the back? Do you think he can get them like into the playoffs, the the top 8 in the Eastern Conference? This is a player who just had 28 goals and or 23 goals and 28 assists or something in in the last season that he played, so you know, he's still not at the peak of his powers, but he still has a lot of his powers and doesn't have the dribbling that he had previously in his career, but still has the vision, the passing. I think uh, if Miami can bring in a decent coach and some good players around him, um, and then they can just use the legs of the the MLS players that they have, and I don't know. I, it, it's going to have to come together. I don't think it'll gel off the bat, but uh, I mean, Inter are the worst team in the league by far, so it, it's going to bring a lot of eyes. I think we'll start probably cover, covering more MLS just because of Messi. We'll talk about it every once in a while, especially if Messi does something or... Um, you know, and it might and it summer. might it might bring more players to MLS. Who knows? You know, when Beckham came over, there were quite a few signings, um, and we've seen players like Lorenzo Insigne and um, you know uh, players like that who aren't necessarily you know Dreers Mertens and players like that who aren't necessarily like done with their careers. Mertens is in Turkey. Oh, Turkey. It's sorry, Bernadeschi is also on Toronto. Bernadeschi, yeah, he one. came over here. But you know, there's been some players now that are in like their late twenties that are coming to MLS from Europe instead of coming in their mid-30s or, or, you know, even late-30s like a lot of players did in the past. So 
Beckham came over here, I think, at 32. Uh, Messi's coming over here at 35, yeah. 36. Yeah, so he's not that old. Uh, you know, Ronaldo did go over to Saudi Arabia at 37. So this is, you know, a little bit earlier in his career that he's coming over to MLS. And, and again, I think it's a good move. Um, he's not, t- I'm sure he's going to be making a shitload of money and he already has enough money to live the rest of his life comfortably. I don't think that that was what was important in this move. And I think that's what is evident because he's coming to the United States. I think it's really exciting. I think it's going to be great. Um, we didn't answer my question about, about how good of an how big of an impact he makes right off the bat for Inter Miami. Like, would you expect them to get into the playoff? I race? did answer your question. I said that I don't think I don't think this it's going to be like a gel initially. No, they're not going oh, to okay. the playoffs this year. Okay, I then I don't think it's going to be like well, I think they're going to need to get players and coaches around them, and then next year it might be good. The the, the last comparable player I mean, to come it, he'll to just the be MLS, like a tour. Uh, I think the last comparable player to come to the MLS was Zlatan when he came, and people were saying similar things about him that like, oh, you know, he's old now. I don't expect him to be, you know, that good right off the bat. And the, the very first game he scored that insane, like 40 yard screamer against LAFC to win it. Uh, so, I, I mean, I would personally, I would expect of who, someone who many people refer to as the greatest of all time. I would expect Messi to come in right off the bat and get Inter Milan off the bottom of the Eastern Conference and into the playoff contention, at least. Maybe they just miss out in the end because there's not enough games left. Uh, but depending on like when he plays his first game, I don't think he's eligible to you know start playing for them until July 1st when, you know, the... PSG God, I can't wait for him to just put up. these these MLS defenders on their asses, man. It's gonna yeah, be fun. I'm I'm gonna. It's gonna be fun to watch him play against like 26 year olds who are two years out of playing in college, <laughs> and they're making like 60 grand a year. <laughs> you know, he's going to absolutely wipe the floor with them. But yeah, that 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 was a huge one that we uh, were just unlucky enough to miss by a day. Uh, we'll, we'll stick to some of like the non Premier League focus transfers. Another big one hundred million pound move is uh, Jude Bellingham going from Borussia Dortmund to Real Madrid. What can you say, man? Real have done it. They've solidified their next generation yeah, world class midfield. Kamavinga, Chuameni, and now Bellingham. That that's. And- a no, but midfield. we're not even mentioning probably like the best of all of them. Federico the Valverde. The jack of all trades, Valverde. I mean, they have four well, just absolute world class. He's so good that they can play him out on the wing. Right. Val- Val- Valverde or, 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 can play out he, on the right wing. And he can it's play just left back, good. right back. He can play anywhere. But yeah, I'm, I mean, just what an unreal signing for Real. And it kind of looks, there are rumors that Kylian Mbappe, his contract ends in 2024. And apparently there's an option to extend it to 2025. And he doesn't want to take that option. And if that is the case, then I'm guessing PSG are going to sell him this summer and Real Madrid are going to be the ones to get him. And okay, we were, we were doing this last year. Do you remember last year we were doing exactly this conversation? I think we have to learn the lesson now that Kylian Mbappe conducts himself like, like LeBron James would in the NBA. He understands that he is the prize to any and all clubs in the world. And that PSG, he can run his contract down with PSG and use that as leverage to get even more money. He can keep signing short-term deals with them, threatening to leave to go elsewhere, and then just, you know, go back to the negotiating table with the Qataris and say, okay, I want even more than than last time. And you know what? All power to him. That's, you know, the if, if the Qataris he didn't own that badly, part of the club. Would, he doesn't own the club. He's got, he owns he, part of the club. Killian Mbappe. Like part, yeah, 
Killian's a part owner. I do of not think he owns part of PSG, dude. That's he I does. They just paid him a shitload, like the, an amount that we haven't even hasn't even been determined yet, because a lot of it is like under the table. I'm just saying that Mbappe can threaten to go elsewhere all he likes. That's his main negotiating tool with a you know an oil billionaire state that owns the current club he's at. So, you know, I, I would take any rumors of him leaving with a pinch of salt. That's just part of, you know, negotiation tactics for a player of his class and of his age. He's what, like 24, 25? He's like just entering the prime years of his career and he wants to be paid top dollar for it. All power to him. But we, we didn't really mention Jude Bellingham at all other than the, the actual fee itself. This is this is a huge transfer. It's not just because this seals Real Madrid's like great midfield that we just mentioned. He might be the biggest jewel in that midfield crown. I know I know Federico Valverde is a very good player, but Jude Bellingham's been doing. He's been outperforming his you know his age range since he was like in his early teens. He's always been playing up a level from where you'd expect someone of his age. And for him to be 19 years old, being sold for 100 million like pounds to go play for Real Madrid, it's just like it's just it's just par for the course for him, which is what makes it even more impressive. Because I I can't remember too many other players, you know, getting this kind of treatment and and ascending this rapidly at such a young age. Like the last one English one I can think of is probably Wayne Michael Rooney. Owen. Yeah, uh, Michael yeah, Owen. Wayne Michael Rooney. Owen's probably a better comparison. But Michael Owen was already at his like big club when he was like winning the Ballon d'Or at Liverpool. He didn't get his big move to Real Madrid until he had already started, you know, declining a little bit because of injuries. Wayne Rooney was, you know, 16 years old, scoring a bunch of goals for England at the Euros, and then at 18 got his, you know, 30 million pound move to Manchester United. Jude Bellingham, I expect to, you know, go right into that Real Madrid midfield, even with all the competition with players like Cruz and Modric oh, and Camavinga and yeah. Chouameni. I mean, what, uh, what an incredible signing! Yeah, I just, I can't, you, you're, you're right, Alex. I just, I, it feels unfair. It feels like, uh, you know, Real. This is a reaction to Real Madrid getting trounced in the Champions League by City. They know that there are, you know, levels probably away from Manchester City right now, and they need, they need more backup for players like Vinicius and Rodrigo and. And Valverde, who they have there, and and you know there's still some holes in the team. You know Carvajal's aging, Modric, Cruz, like you just said, they they're bringing in replacements for them. Um, you well, know, and still the, they, the they brought, they've brought in Rudiger and Militao. Exactly, they got to replace Benzema. So you know, I think they're going to bring in Mbappe eventually, and in there, and this is going to be the greatest team in the world when they do that. Uh, they're going to be up there with uh, those those City Real games are going to be insane. We're going to see Mbappe versus uh, Holland, City versus Real. It'll be great. It'll be great. But uh, it'll be just cash monies going at each other. And uh, for our I, entertainment. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, count out the uh, possibility of Holland going to Real Madrid at some point in his career as well. He, he's got, he's built in another Can you imagine both clause. end up there at some point? Yeah. I mean, that could easily work. You could play Mbappe on the right wing, Vinicius on the left, and Holland through the middle. Who's stopping that? I mean, the one player that might not be happy about that is Rodrigo, the Brazilian, the other Brazilian winger at Real Madrid. But you know, Mbappe is one of the few players Salah, you, push, who cares? you push out Rodrigo yeah. for. Maybe include him in like a, sw- a swap deal or something. So uh, yeah, good luck to Jude Bellingham. The, the the one outcome I was like kind of like actually afraid of was him going to Manchester City to replace Ilkay Gundogan, and you know that obviously isn't happening now. But he would have been the only player 
I would have understood if Manchester City had said, okay, we're not re-signing Gundogan, and instead we're going to bring in Bellingham. That would have been the only player in the world I would have thought. Declan Rice. Well, they're not the same profile of player. Declan Rice is, you know, he's in Rodri's role, and Rodri is obviously not, he's not better than Rodri. Rodri's probably the best defensive midfielder in the world now. He just scored the winner in the Champions League final, and has won three titles in a row with Manchester City. You know, he's, uh, that, yeah, it's uh, the, the different roles. Um, but that's obviously not happening, so maybe Gundogan gets re-signed. All right, let's go uh, rapid fire on some of these Premier League transfers that have uh, unfolded. Uh, one that came as a surprise on Saturday, the news broke, was Yuri Tielemans going to Aston Villa on a free transfer after his contract at Leicester ran up or ran out. Yeah, it's a surprising one. I think this is a really big signal of intent from uh, from Aston from Villa. From Unai, absolutely. I yeah. mean, Unai has wanted Tielemans since his time at Arsenal. There was lots of rumors, you know, swirling for from the time that he was there, and you know, big big signing for them. I mean, I think they're going to be in the Conference League, and I think they want to stay in Europe and push for you know Europa and Champions League. So uh, yeah, like you said, big statement of intent. Um, I think it's going to be a great player who's going to slot in immediately into that midfield, and if they can keep Douglas Louise and Jacob Ramsey, that that's a really good three in midfield with uh you know players like Coutinho and Bundia you know backing that up on the bench so and Kamara at the uh, the base in midfield who they signed for Marseille last year Bubakar Kamara he's a really good young player as well uh, I think the player that benefits most from this Tielemans signing has to be Ali Watkins because he's someone that is a similar profile of, of striker to like a Jamie Vardy at Leicester and Tielemans is an absolute fiend for playing those little slide rule passes like on the ground through the defense for uh, a player who likes to try and time his runs in behind and, and take advantage of his timing and speed like Watkins does that could be a partnership that scores Tielemans, bunches of goals next season although Alex I'll say Tielemans FM God did not expect him to be on Villa and his next move Lester was kind of expected, you know, you thought he was going to make that step up. Villa seems like it's kind of a, a sideways move for him. I know that Villa are much better than Lester right now and, you know, Lester's got relegated, but I think for me it's 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 that Villa can, you know, it kind of feels like a sideways move because Lester at the time when Tielmans went to them, they were around Villa's level, if not better. They were competing for top 4 and stuff, so you know, it yeah, but he's jumped off a, a sinking like, ship and he's jumped on to, you know, one that's, you know, setting out for the high season. I'm just saying, it does feel like Tielman's it's taken a little bit of a lazy move here in the sense that, like, he'll be an important player for Villa, but I don't know if he'll ever, you know, achieve the potential that was expected of him at the beginning of his career. This uh, this sounds like the words of a salty Arsenal fan who was talking about getting Tielman's on a free for, like, the last, yeah, like, enjoy, year. Enjoy Villa, Tielman's. Have fun with Martinez. <laughs> All right, another uh, pretty big midfield signing was uh, Alexis McAllister uh, going to Liverpool, it, it seems like, for a reported $35 million fee. Uh, it was kind of a surprise God, that's a release clause signing, that, that we didn't, Damn, for no one knew about, except ridiculous. for Liverpool. But yeah, he's, he's going to Liverpool. We, it's been well documented that they, they need reinforcements in that midfield area. He has been a key contributor to Brighton's excellent midfield for the last couple of seasons, a key contributor to Argentina's World Cup winning side. Uh, he's a good penalty taker, even though that position is already filled by Mo Salah. It doesn't hurt to have another good penalty taker. Is he a day one starter for you at Liverpool? Does he slot in immediately? 100% day one starter. You're not starting Harvey Elliott or 
some of these other goons they've been starting. You're, you're starting McAllister now, so huge shining for them. Tiago gets hurt all the time. They just lost James Milliner to Brighton, um, which is, I think, the next signing that we're going to talk about here. But, uh, you know, it, it just they need more reinforcements in midfield. I think this is just the beginning. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're not done at all, but it's, it's a very good start because I, I don't even think necessarily that they needed someone who was as high profile as Jude Bellingham. And that was like the main link that had been going on for the last like, Thank two Thank God that years. didn't happen. They pulled out of that. They obviously don't have Champions League, so they became a less desirable destination to Bellingham. But I, I don't think they necessarily needed that like star player in midfield. Their, their stars are all at the, the front of the picks. They're all up top. You know, Salah, Luis Diaz, uh, Gakpo, uh, Jota. So in midfield, you just need reliable, hardworking, talented players who can, you know, press obviously off the ball like Klopp likes and keep the ball uh, to like a, a decent degree when, you know, they do have possession. So I think McAllister fits that absolutely perfectly. And yeah, I would agree. He'll be a day one starter for them. I'm going to be interested to see what they do with like someone like Fabinho behind him who had a terrible season, whether they try to sign someone else to fill that role or if they instead try to focus on another attacking or box-to-box player to uh, introduce to that midfield. But there's going to be signings for sure. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that Brighton have made a couple of signings. Uh, they got James Milner from Liverpool on a free, which is kind of in the same vain as uh, them signing Adam Lallana a couple of seasons ago after he left Liverpool. Um, and then Joao Pedro, they signed uh, to play up top. Uh, 35 million, it looks like, from uh, Watford. He's been in the Premier League before, about a season ago, and uh, has been playing in the championship for Watford for the last year. And, you know, made a good account of himself when he was playing for Watford last time. They got relegated, obviously, but, you know, he was a, a threatening yeah, uh, presence alongside Emmanuel De- Dennis last it's time. Pre- it's a pretty big feat. I don't, um, I mean, you, you may, might know a little bit more about him, Alex, but I don't, it kind of surprised me. You were you were more excited. You were like, oh, Brighton got Joe Pedro. I was like, okay, I don't. Like, do excited you really think is the right word. For them? It's just interest. It's an intriguing signing. And it makes me intrigued to see what happens with, you know, Evan Ferguson, who I obviously talk about a lot, Ireland international, very interested in him. But there's been rumors around him from, you know, big clubs like, you know, Manchester United have been linked. Chelsea have been linked. I would love that. Um, They did just sign him to a new contract, but, you know, they did the same with Saicedo and he's getting linked to other clubs as well. So uh, maybe they just extended those contracts so that they could have better negotiating power to demand a higher fee for those players. And Joao Pedro could be the you know the day one starter. Maybe it's between him and Welbeck uh, if someone like Ferguson gets sold. Because the other the other part that I haven't quite factored into until this moment is that they do have Europe this uh, this season. They will be playing in the Europa League, so they will need more players because you know Ferguson gets injured pretty often Welbeck gets injured pretty often they needed another you know goal scorer and I think Joao Pedro will help them in that regard not just in the Premier League but in in European competition so I'm excited to see how it plays out all right we got time to talk about maybe one more of these I I, I want to mention this one because I hadn't heard about it until just before we started recording this Jefferson Lerma the uh, Bournemouth defensive midfielder pretty decent player He's moving on a free to Crystal Palace. I I think that's a like a very sneaky good move for a team like Palace and Bournemouth are gonna 
struggled to replace a player like him. They have the the box to box types know like Billing. If Hodgson is going to be there next year, so it's not decided yet whether he's going to stay on. But he is uh, one of the favorites to re-sign and and stay on. He was only signed just to finish the season with Palace. Apparently, and they want Graham Potter. Yeah, yeah, I mean Graham Potter would be a pretty nice fit there. I, I think you know that's the kind of profile of club that I think he can you know implement his his style of football at and and do well at, but. Obviously, once that news breaks and their manager is decided for next season, we'll we'll talk about that on the next pod afterwards. All right, let's wrap things up there. Plenty more transfers will be uh, taking place, I'm sure of it. We may even uh, have to start watching uh, a few more MLS games, Javier, just uh, like you mentioned. Just, you know, get ourselves more acclimated with the league. Once Messi comes in, uh, talk about him and his performances. Leo! 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 All right, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Messi, Messi, if you want to follow Javier Messi. on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. You can follow me at ASMoss92. And you can follow the podcast at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a rating and review. Those new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod. And anything you guys can do to uh, help us grow this thing is always greatly appreciated. Enjoy the international fixtures uh, coming up later this week and over the weekend. And until next time, see you.